What's up, everybody? Welcome to Latino Free Minds. I'm Daniel with my co-host Danny, and today we have a guest, Anthony Cabasa, who's an independent journalist. He's out of here in California as well, Southern California, uh, to be exact. Um, you know, this is episode 23, so you're on the you're on the Jordan episode. So, <laughs> yeah, man, the goat. <laughs> so you got to bring it, Anthony. Um, but how, how you doing, man? Doing good, brother. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Yeah, yeah, and thank you for coming on. How how you doing, Danny? How's work? <laughs> it's crazy. I barely I barely squeaked in right now, and I was rushing, and um, but I'm here, so cool, it's, cool. it's good. How about you guys? Going good, going good. Uh, I was I was telling Anthony a little bit before is that he's had an interesting couple of weeks. Um, so, you know, you you've been covering a lot of the uh, well, a few of the the parent protests, right? Uh, protesting the these pride agendas, these LGBTQ, I, I forget the whole thing, but <laughs> those agendas, right? And, yeah. you know, parents are, are finally uh, standing up and, and speaking out, right? But uh, I want to talk about that. But before we get into that, uh, just kind of tell the people about yourself, um, you know, what, what got you onto this path as far as being independent journalists and, you know, how'd you get to this point? Yeah, for those of you uh, listening, uh, this is the first time listening to me. Uh, you know, I go by Inform with Anthony. I'm just mostly a educational page on uh, socials. Uh, you could probably see the links there on the uh, display. Um, and so uh, I've been doing this for about five, six years now. I am crowdfunded, meaning I'm independent, not owned by anyone. Don't have anyone tying my hands, telling me what to say, what to think, how to say it, how to deliver it. Just kind of do my own thing and to me that's really important especially uh you know after the first amendment you know guaranteeing that freedom of speech being able to teach latinos and hispanics i am latino myself i am mexican descent uh, i also have puerto rican so my dad's from puerto rico my mom's a mexican immigrant uh, she came here back in the 80s i was a firstborn my older sister was born in mexico i was the firstborn here in los angeles california uh, hablo español uh, so i do both languages i've done educational videos in english and in spanish Nice. I break down policies. I break down really what's going on here in Los Angeles because to me, you know, I I, um, I see that there is a spiritual fight right now happening, uh, especially with information. There's a huge misinformation and information war happening. Mm -hmm. And so in seeing this every single day, I watch corporate media, mainstream media, see the talking points. There were so many times I found myself calling them out just kind of to myself and saying like, nah, that ain't right. That's That's not what happened. Mm -hmm. And so I just decided to kind of take it upon myself. Obviously, 2016 was a, uh, you know, life changing year for many people. That is the year that, you know, Donald Trump got elected to president. A lot of stuff was being said about him, that he's racist, that, you know, he was uh, a Mexican hater, wanted to deport all Mexicans. I had a lot of people reaching out to me saying that I was going to be deported uh, just because I'm Mexican. And so people thought uh, that by default, I would be deported and. I thought that was really funny because I had my U.S. citizenship. I don't know how you deport a U.S. citizen. <laughs> They're um, profiling you. <laughs> yeah, man. That's kind of crazy. And so I uh, really just kind of got head, head first, took to my social media. The only platform that we really have as independent journalists to be able to highlight that. And it's become very limited as of recent. You know, there's a lot of things you still can't say. Mm -hmm. So it's taken me years to really perfect the social media game, what I can say, where. Uh, Twitter probably, probably right now next to Gab and Telegram are probably uh, some of the better alternatives if, if you want to just see raw, uncensored stuff. 
uh, interviews with frontline doctors, you know, that I was doing and stuff. And so, um, yeah, wife, three kids, uh, happily married over 15 years, uh, 35 years young. Uh, I live out here. I plan on staying out here. And my goal is not to turn Latinos or Hispanics or any American tuning in uh, politically one way or the other. It's just to give them raw information, break down policies, tell you how your government is lying to you, especially here locally at the state level. Uh, and, and hopefully the information will make you a more informed voter and then you can go ahead and go out and vote however you choose. So, yeah, in a nutshell, that's me. <laughs> OK, yeah. Um, you, said a lot, you said a lot there um, and most of it. We've already you know talked about it in in the podcast, different topics. Um, but one of the questions that I have for you is how did you get into the path itself? Uh, where were you manipulated into thinking that you were a Democrat? And did you, when, if, if so, when did you, you know, realize that you weren't? Yeah. So I am conservative. Um, I'm a registered Republican, uh, you know, to let, let everybody know right off the bat. Um, uh, I wasn't really politically active at all uh, during my teenage years, late teenage years, obviously after 18, you can vote. And all my twenties, I don't think I ever cast a vote in my twenties. I, you know, son of an immigrant, my mom would always tell me politics, that, that's not really for us as Latinos. Uh, mm. we, we're here to work. You know, we're not here to change the government. We're not here to partake in the government. We're just here to work hard, make a name for ourselves and, and build the family up and protect the family and you know, all that stuff. And looking back now, especially growing up, you know, Pentecostal Christian, uh, there was a lot of conservative values instilled in me. There was a lot of pride in who I was and my identity and who we were, uh, you know, as immigrants, son of, son of immigrants and just trying to do better. You know, there, there's a lot that a lot of people don't understand about the immigrant family and, mm -hmm. and like having to be that first generation American and, and uh, the, the heavy burden that's on your shoulders, just trying to make it right because you want to make your parents proud, you want mm -hmm. to make sure you succeed. And so growing up, it, there was really no Republican versus Democrat for me. I did grow up. Uh, listening to Immortal Technique. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to, listened to him, uh, but he's more like a libertarian, like an anarchist, and I would consider him like more socialist um, in line of thinking now that I look back at some of the stuff. But I know that he um, talked about how he hated Fox News, corporate media, hated Republicans, Bill O'Reilly. Um, and, and so that kind of maybe lean me more to like the democratic side, but I never again, really cared for one side or the other. Uh, believe it or not, early on, I always just felt like the government was always lying to us, always manipulating us, always creating fake scenarios to try to manipulate people and our emotions. And, and again, that's because of people like immortal technique and, and other people. I think that there's another group called snow goons, um, that are out there as well. And there, a lot of them are like, you know, uh, rappers kind of like independent free freestyle like free thinkers and um they are people that just really hated the government very anti-government and so i think that that's what really molded my just hate for the government and just not caring at all to get politically involved i'll never forget that at one point i was telling my dad you know he's talking about the election and i just sat down with him i'm like look man i just don't care um i think the government just hates you no matter what you know no matter where you are and, and what you think and how you vote. I just really think that the government controls everything. And this was me like back in the 20s, so I just didn't care for it. But the thing that kind of woke me up is when I 
you know, I was in the military. I joined the military when I was 18. And when I got out, I came back to Los Angeles and obviously I had a family now, you know, my teenage years, you're not really worried about, you know, the rate of poverty. You're not really worried about, you know, homeless situation. You're not really worried about how expensive gas is because they don't really affect you as a kid, Mm -hmm. as a teenager growing up here. But as a parent, as a married man, as a potential homeowner that's looking for homes to purchase, all of a sudden you start paying attention to the little things that mm-hmm. are now big things in your life because now it affects you, right? It, it affects right. your wallet. And so I started noticing, I started telling my wife, you know, like, man, like, I don't remember it being this bad here in LA. Obviously, in my military years, I had traveled for 11 years, which is how long I served. And I, I was in LA for a couple of times, but for the most part, especially my last duty station was out of Massachusetts. So when we came back, things just got substantially worse and they continue to get worse, uh, you know, depending on the topic. And I just said, Ben, like, what's going on here? And so I came back to Los Angeles uh, 2017 after being gone for a few years uh, in Massachusetts. And when I got back, obviously, Donald Trump had just won the election and everything became hyper political. Doesn't matter if you were not politically involved. Didn't matter if you were left or right, conservative, libertarian. Everything became hyperpolitical. The, the media made every turned every subject, everything about Donald Trump. And so I was just kind of getting sick and tired of hearing about the guy. I'll be honest. I even the 2016 election, I was obviously more than eligible to vote. I just didn't care. But at that point, by 2016, I was looking at people like Hillary Clinton. I actually had friends of mine that were in the military that interacted, interacted uh, with the Clinton family and tell me like, dude, these guys are like Satan, like stay away from them. You know, wow. like we had we had service dogs that every single time Hillary Clinton would, uh, you know, approach the service dogs, the service dogs would just start barking, you know, at, at Hillary Clinton. So I'm like, man, wow. that's kind of like a telltale, man. Yeah. You know? So um, I didn't care for Hillary. I thought Bernie had some good talking points. Obviously, he was very anti-establishment, anti-corporation. I think that's also why Donald Trump got a lot of the Bernie bros to vote for him in 2020, because they felt that the DNC had rigged the election against um, Bernie right. Sanders in 2016 and again in 2020. And so I think that that's why a lot of people went with like the more populist, more anti-corporation, more anti-establishment person like Donald Trump. So didn't vote 2016. I kind of regretted it. But like if if you understand that the military system, it's kind of interesting like you got to request like a a a melon ballot and it's got to be at your location but you got to pay attention to like local politics i felt because i didn't live in california i didn't know enough to like really be informed to vote Mm -hmm. and so 2018 was the first year that i actually was a registered voter my family became registered to vote my my wife my my mom and my brothers they all got also politically involved and that's when i had to come to, to answer your question that was the decision where I had to decide, okay, well, what am I, you know, Mm -hmm. am I Republican? Am I Democrat? Am I libertarian? At that point, you know, I was in school. uh, I I was going to, I went back to school after the military was trying to get my bachelor's degree. There was a lot of these young kids that I was going to school with fresh out of high school that were talking about Bernie Sanders and how Donald Trump sucks because obviously we live in Los Angeles. It is a mostly liberal place out here. And so I started listening to kind of political commentators. One of the first people that I kind of came across with was uh, Ben Shapiro of the Daily Wire. 
and mm-hmm. he's more libertarian. He's more conservative leaning. And I liked uh, the way that he was able to have conversations and have debates. So that is like when people were debating a lot. So you had, you know, content creators, you had man on the streets, you had street interviews, you had podcasters like Ben Shapiro that would go across college campuses across America debating people about what makes Donald Trump a racist, right? And, mm-hmm. and what what makes wrong right and what makes right wrong right? Like just kind of asking these simple questions kind of reminds me of like, what is a woman? You know, it's just a right. documentary of asking a very simple question. What is a woman? And when I was able to see that the left and a lot of left-leaning people were not able to answer simple questions and the fact that a lot of the conservative commentators were able to answer with statistics. I mean, Charlie Kirk, man, one of the most brilliant minds I've, I've ever – this guy's able to cite facts like no other, man. This guy will give you 20, 30, 40 different citations. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. And so that kind of attracted me to the more conservative side. I, I, I felt like it was a little bit more sophisticated, more well-spoken, mm-hmm. as opposed to as opposed to more like emotional – and appealing to emotion. Right. And so at that time, I was like, I, I think I'm going to start voting Republican. I think I'm a Republican at heart. And so I started taking, you know, the opportunities to do my own research, which is something that is very well known in the conservative circles is do your own research. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is that, which is what I tell people all the time. Hey, yes, I, I could be a credible source for some. Some people trust me more than others. But at the end of the day, you know, I can show you. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's got to be on you. Like, I'm, I don't want to convince you one way or the other. And I'm definitely not here to tell you which way to vote. I'm just showing you the information. Mm-hmm. And and so in doing my own research and looking at the Republican Party, what they stand for, looking at the policies that they were you know, trying to pass, uh, the things to help families, you know, um, all that stuff. I was like, OK, I, I think I'm a Republican. And so I became a registered Republican. And for the first time ever, I voted as a Republican for Republican candidates. Uh, in 2018, and I've been kind of voting that way ever since. Obviously, I'm sure you guys are probably well well aware. I'm not sure exactly what county you guys are in, but Los Angeles, sometimes the only option you have is uh, a couple of Democrats. So you kind of mm-hmm. have to choose the lesser <laughs> of the evil uh, yeah. with Democrats. So there are ha- there have been some times where I do vote for a Democrat. Just most recently, for example, Sheriff Villanueva uh, mm-hmm. versus Sheriff Robert Luna. Uh, but that's kind of like one of those seats that it really doesn't matter if you're Republican or, or Democrat. What matters is, are you going to enforce the law? Are you going to right. be a good sheriff? And to me, uh, Sheriff Villanueva, even though he was a Democrat, he got things done. And so I voted for him. So, OK. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff you said, we, you know, we agree with. And, you know, I think Danny would agree with this is we we tell people the same thing, right? do your research, figure it out. If you want to listen to us, uh, as far as what we got to say, you know, fine. But at the end of the day, do your own thing, figure it out. You know, if you don't fully trust us and then wherever you land, Hey, that's where you landed. But at least you got to that point by yourself instead of it, you know, being assigned to you. Cause I think that's, that's something that happens a lot to, to people. They get their opinions, their beliefs assigned to them. And you know, it's, there's, it's hard to get them out of that. Correct. Well, you know, you had mentioned, you know, uh, influences like, you know, artists, you know, rapping and things of that nature. And one of the things that you reminded me of is something that we have stopped, talked about before, and it's uh, Raging Against the Machine. I'm a little bit older than you guys. 
So when I was in high school, they were really popular. And uh, oh, hey, me too, man. I listen to them all the time. <laughs> and um, it, it's the same thing, you know, anarchy, anarchy, and and that's more of the theme that they go with, right? But there's a verse in there that you know I had shared uh, with Daniel on the podcast. Is I remember exactly what it is, like word for word. But um, it basically says that they're they're going, their children, our children are going to betray us in their name. So it just gives you a sense of um, the manip manipulation um, and influence that they have over the young minds. And when, you know, we don't grow up in a household, I'm a first generation born here as well, is that when we're, we're not involved in politics and what's going around in our community, those influences, um, you know, do steer us a certain way, even though we don't think that they do. You know, one day I started questioning the same thing. I got started young with the family. And um, to the point that you made, you get to a certain point in your life when you do start thinking about things that you never thought about before. So as an 18 year old having a, you know, about to be a father, you start thinking about those things and I started questioning them. And then I started listing down my values and um, I thought I was a Democrat. But when I started listing down my values, they all fell over on the right side. And I think that's where, you know, with the work that you're doing, uh, you're, you're, you're giving a different perspective from what everybody's growing up around them and allowing them to see the other side, the other perspective. And maybe you do fall on the other side as opposed to what you've been told your entire life. Yeah, absolutely, man. You're right. And, and I think that that is something that I, I also kind of guide people, right? Is they tell me like, hey, you know, come election season, it happened back in 2018, 2020, 2022. I had people reaching out. They're like, hey, man, like, how should I be voting? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you, you know, what, what, one way or the other. But it's like you said, you got to write down what are your values? What are your morals? Right. What are the things that you stand for? What are the things that you stand up against? Right. And when you get down to it, there's a lot of people, and I, I would argue that there's people on the left, on the right, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, that are pretty anti-establishment. And again, that's why I think that you saw that shift for uh, the Bernie uh, Sanders supporters that shifted toward Trump in the 2020 election, including I had a friend, his name is Jose Fregoso, uh, that he, um, he was a Bernie bro, 2016 helped campaign for him. Uh, he was actually one of the first people that kind of inspired me to get into politics because he came to school when we were at school together, taking uh, like some of the courses there, some of the gen general education is uh, he was wearing a Bernie Sanders shirt of him being arrested uh, back in the 60s or 70s, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, when he was a political activist. And so I, you know, I asked him what the shirt was about. He was telling me a little bit about Bernie Sanders. I just couldn't get aboard with a lot of the socialist kind of. Uh, policies in, in style that he had. Um, again, he was a populist. I, I don't necessarily disagree with everything Bernie Sanders says. Uh, the corporations, I do feel, uh, have a lot of liberty. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that I've recently said, especially through the pandemic. In America, we don't have democracy or a uh, constitutional republic, which a lot of people say that, right? We have a mm -hmm. constitutional republic or we have a, uh, you know, a democracy. What we have is corporationism. In America, where you're seeing, and especially even just recently with the culture wars, what's happening with the LGBT agenda and the curriculum and Dylan Mulvaney, all that stuff, is you are seeing corporations 
that go unregulated that are just able to use all this money up and 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 take in money from people and special interests and mm-hmm. just able to pass all these agendas into uh some of the most you know influenced minds in america which is you know our youth and so I, I do think that there needs to be government intervention to that extent you know where i know a lot more uh, like libertarian Republicans are all for like, nah, let the corporations do whatever they want because, you know, it, it's it's a capitalist society, this, this, and that. Tucker Carlson has also kind of talked about that as well, about um, how there does need to be uh, federal regulation to some capacity on these uh, corporations because if not, what you end up getting is, you know, banks that are able to, uh, you know, abuse and, and, and use people's money. And then when they go bankrupt, we, the people have to bail them out. That is something that also like, you know, for example, Bernie Sanders uh, talked about. So, uh, you know, going back to it a little bit, uh, it, it's the simple fact of where, where are your values? What are the things that you value most? And I think that one of the things that's being talked about the most and something that I've been covering recently are parents. So we, we are seeing parents kind of saying mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, uh, this is something that we didn't really care about because it was at the corporation level. All we do is boycott those corporations. If, if Bud Light wants to come out with Dylan Mulvaney, this man is pretending to be a woman, uh, then we're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, stop drinking that beer. And mm-hmm. as far as target, all that stuff, you got boycott after boycott. Right. But when it comes to your children, that's where people draw the line. And it doesn't matter. You know, I, I've met Jewish uh, parents. I've met Muslim parents. Uh, Muslims actually, the Muslim community just had a major protest, I believe, in the state of Maryland, uh, mm-hmm. because they are saying that they are not no longer able to opt out of the option of having their kids join in on LGBTQ curriculum. Mm-hmm. So they were out there protesting, saying that they want the the school to bring back the opt out option. I mean, think about how insane that sounds, right? People yeah. no longer being able to opt out of what's being taught to their children. Mm-hmm. by the government that thinks that it knows best that it knows better than parents and so you know when we when we go and we talk to these people when i talk to these hispanic parents when i talk to these immigrant parents when i talk to just any kind of american and when it comes to voting and you know for the, for those of you listening that that's the reality is that you need to um make that list where does it fit within my values how does it line up with the candidate that i'm going to possibly vote for and then the decision is really yours to make after that, man, you know, and, and on how you wish to vote. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so talking, staying on that subject. Um, so you've been at the, I think it's been two weeks in a row, right? I think the other one was, I don't know if I'm gonna say this right. Is it Satakoy Elementary? Yeah, that was okay. North, North Hollywood, California. North Hollywood. And then uh, yesterday's was Glendale you, uh, Unified, right? Uh, yes, I was going to unified school district. Okay. So, yeah, so I've seen some of the, you know, some of the videos you put up and, you know, I think it's cool when you're there and you, you know, you're, you're live on, on Instagram and, you know, you're showing everybody, you know, what's happening real time. You know, I think that's why, you know, I like following you and, and seeing your, your information because you're there, you're in person, you know what I mean? Um, as we have stated before, it's like, we don't trust the angle the media gives, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'd rather watch anthony live streaming then try to see what the news says about it later because then i know what's really going on right and you know it, it is from watching what you've been doing it's like yeah there is a mix of a lot of parents you know and you know different races different religions and it's true it, it's not it's not a how those people that are there like those 
you know, LGBT, Antifa, whatever they are, whatever you want to call them, you know, they're, they're just chanting hate, love is love and all this. But, you know, it, it's not about hate. It's like, like you said, it, it's, there's a line that you just can't cross, right? I remember when I was going to school, um, when sex education came up, which would be like in, I want to say sixth or seventh grade, something like that. I'm not 100% sure, but around that time frame, they would give you like a permission slip that you'd have to take to your parents and your parents would have to say, okay, yeah, I want my kid to participate. And if they said no, then they kind of would put you somewhere else and you do another activity basically. Um, that here in California, like that's completely gone, obviously. Um, and then if they're, and that's what those Muslims are protesting, then, you know, that's good because, you know, our kids, you know, they're, they're everything to us, right. As parents, you know, I, I homeschool because I don't trust the public school system, you know, especially here in California, there's a lot of things, you know, that get enacted where they're removing parent consent. And to me as a father is I, I want to know you know, what my kid is exposed to, right? And right now in the public school system, I, I don't have, I have zero trust in it that that they're not going to expose my kid to something that, you know, at the end of the day, as my kids get older, you know, I don't want them to have these different beliefs that got instilled in them through someone else that I don't even know. So, you know, so going back to the protest, I think it's good to see that the parents are standing up. Because, again, like I said, our kids are everything. So I noticed one thing that I want to see what you think about this. I think one guy said it at the elementary school and one guy and some people said it yesterday was they were yelling Christian fascist. Um, to me, that's uh, how could I put it? I want to say like it's. I don't want to say dangerous, but it, it leads down a. Uh, a scary path because if you start calling Christians fascist, um, you know, it, it, it could get worse and worse and worse and progress into where Christians are alienated and we're the target. Right. So what do you think when you hear those people shouting that? Yeah. Well, to me, man, I, I think it should be considered a hate crime uh, because uh, I'm kind of sick and tired of the name calling, you know, I mean, I, I accept all labels at this point. I've, I've been called every word in the dictionary, man, you know, from a race trader to a uh, nopal en la frente, you know, to uh, a desagradecido, you know, a bendido, uh, all these things, man, you know, um, that I'm ashamed of work of my past. It's not because I am conservative and because I'm an independent journalist that refuses to take sides, especially not on the side of the people that continue to destroy our state, continue to destroy our community, that continue to allow the human trafficking of our people at the border in mass record numbers, and especially the children that have been lost. You know, you've got 85,000 children, most of whom are probably Central American, South American, Mexican nationals uh, that have been lost. So to me, that's one of the greatest crimes. Uh, you know, if you want to start getting to the nitty gritty of what's happening to our raza, what's happening to our comunidad, well, what, how about we start there? You know, and that's being done by this administration and the people that he's appointed. Uh, but aside from that, you know, when, when I hear the word Christian fascist, to me, that should be treated no different than when you, you know, um, say say other slurs toward other, 
you know, communities. Um, mm-hmm. This is something that, you know, that if you were to come up to a, a Jewish, you know, person and you started calling them a Jewish fascist, just imagine the hurt and the um, it, basically the oxymoron of that, you know, yeah. in, in that that calling someone that that just cares about uh, basically a, a tyrannical government mm-hmm. that is no longer a no, a, allowing the option to opt out of this curriculum that is trying to sneak in this curriculum that is not notifying parents uh, because they want this agenda to go in there. They want this agenda to be taught to their children um, and, and calling them the fascists, you know, and then, and then these people show up, call people, call immigrants. Cause there was a lot of immigrants there yesterday. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, Armenian immigrants, people from, you know, other countries that have come into this country as political refugees. There was a guy that, that I met that had to flee Soviet, you know, the Soviet union, uh, and, and it was fleeing uh, communism. And in talking with a lot of the people there, they all fled communism. So to them, you know, fascism is another way of dictatorship. It's another way of extremism. And to them, they're like, we, we fled all this. We fled the dictatorships. We fled the communism. And they're kind of saddened to hear and really shocked to see that there are American-born people that have maybe taken their liberties for granted and are advocating mm-hmm. Uh, for communism and i don't just say that because they were counter protesters to the parents i say that because if you watch my footage there are literal communists there they're called the revolutionary communists that show up at every single one of these events uh, that at least that i've been to including the events at sadikoy elementary and the event yesterday where they were advocating for revolutionary communists. I've been following these guys for years. I know exactly who they are. I know how they organize. I know how they mobilize. I know who their leader is, Bob Avakian. Uh, it's a it's a cult. It's mm-hmm. what it is. And, and, and I've seen them at these Roe v. Wade overturning protests. I have seen them at the Black Lives Matter protests. They get on their megaphones. They're, they're all coordinated. They're all, they're all militants in nature. They're communists. They literally carry around posters that say we are the revcoms we are the revolutionary communists and mm-hmm. all they do is try to recruit people into their cult with their leader bob avakian mm-hmm. uh, who is uh by the way a known terrorist um and, and so you could just imagine you know and this yeah. is what parents have to deal with you know and there was one altercation yesterday where it was you know the same people mm-hmm. chanting you know christian fascists are the same people doing the beatings and and the intimidating and and showing up when they're not even part of that community. So when I hear these people, it's just ignorance to me, you know, Mm -hmm. and again, to me, it should be regarded as, uh, you know, religious hatred. When you call parents that have fled communism, that have uh, fled tyranny to come into a country and to voice their opinion and and look at the end of the day, if, if the parents, if the teachers don't want to listen, if the, if the unions don't want to listen, then these parents have already said that we'll pull our kids out. But mm-hmm. obviously that's going to affect all teachers. There's a lot of good teachers out there still yep. standing up for children. There's a lot of schools even. Uh, there's a lot of board members that are standing up for parents and standing with parents. So this would affect them too. And so if if, if what they want is this parent, you know, led uh, boycott of schools and, and mm-hmm. people just start not sending their, their kids to schools and, I mean, that might be what's come, what's going to be on their hands. But at first, you try to serve it diplomatically by showing up, voicing your concerns, speaking at these school boards, and letting them know if you don't get rid of this, like there's going to be a problem here. And the problem is going to be you guys are going to be defunded because my children will longer no longer participate. 
and the children of all these people around us are no longer going to participate. We're not going to play these games. Mm -hmm. And they're scared. That's the reality. They're scared. Uh, California has a mass exodus of hundreds of thousands of children that are no longer going to school. A lot of it is post-pandemic. A lot of it is because people are leaving California, uh, partly because of the education system. You know, uh, California, I think, ranks 48th in the nation of 50 states and how bad our quality of education is. And the pandemic just made it worse. LAUSD is one of the lowest ranking in education um, uh, across the nation. And, and a lot of these schools, including Sadako Elementary, are performing below average, even for LAUSD, which is already, you know, not doing good as far as uh, meeting educational pars at the state level. And so it's it's a it's a disaster and, and and when you have these militants show up it doesn't make your side look any better no and that's the that's the frustrating part man like you know i kind of something that you had mentioned is like you know yeah, people pull their kids out and there there are good there are good people right good teachers people in the school boards that that get affected by this right you know and, and the and the same thing goes for you know, people that work for Anheuser-Busch, people that work at Target. I'm sure there's good people that work there that get affected by these decisions. But, you know, it, it gets to a point where, you know, even with the parents, enough is enough. And and you got to stand up. And, you know, it was crazy. It's crazy because, you know, like you said, people leave real fascism, real dictatorship to come here just to be called fascist. Like, that's 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 insane, right? And then I was seeing the, the clip you had, I believe. I might be wrong, but he was uh he was holding the flag. I think he was Armenian, right? And the other guy in front of him the was saying death to America, right? And I think he said death to Christian fascists as well. He said something along those lines. That's and exactly it, what he said, yes. Yeah, so it's like it, it's it's crazy to see that that as Americans, people that are born here in the freest country, that we, we've allowed I don't know how we've gotten to this point. Like it, it's, it's, it's mind blowing because we're free, right? We're free to do whatever we want to do, believe in what we want to believe in. And, you know, having all these agendas kind of forced down on us is really, is really causing this, this big friction, right? That, you know, I don't know what the end result will be. Hopefully, you know, our representatives in there, listen to these parents and, and stop this nonsense. But, you know, it, it's it, we're in California. So California, sometimes it, it, it's tough, man. It's like you not that you lose hope, but you just ah, like this again. You know what I mean? And but but, you know, the good thing, the positive thing is that the parents are getting up. The parents are speaking out. You know that to me, that's encouraging. Yeah. And one of the things that I was looking at, um your posts, your videos, everything, all the content that you had on there. And I want to thank you. I want to, an appreciation for what you're doing, because one of the things that I like to focus on is the positive. Uh, one of the things that we've always talked about is that, you know, corporate media is not going to report on, you know, what's happening in LA, uh, the, you know, down at the street level, you know, the parents that really do care, the parents that are speaking up, in school board meetings and whatnot, because um, they want us to feel like we are the minority. And one of the things that we always talk about is that me, for me, I believe that we are the majority. It's just that that's not that's not what they're broadcasting out to the world. And with you being out there and putting, 
you know, all the content that you're putting out there, it it shows that we are the majority. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where um, if people see that there are other people that feel the same way that they do very strongly and they're standing up there taking time to protest, they're taking the time to do something about it, it it gives them that energy, that momentum to go ahead and do it themselves and feel like they're not alone. So thank you for starting that little snowball that's going to turn into a bigger snowball. And at the end of it, good is going to win. You know, to the point that you made, Daniel, is that that's, I feel that that's what's going to be the outcome, especially with people like you, um, you know, showing everybody else, you know, what is really going on. Yeah. yeah, showing reality. Yes. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And it was actually it's kind of funny uh, story yesterday. Uh, as I was going live, uh, I think I was live for roughly two, two and a half hours, maybe even longer. Um, and there was people tuning into my stream that were actually relatively close. And when they saw the turnout of people, it actually inspired them because maybe they were thinking to themselves, you know, like – uh, Hey, you know, I don't think anyone's going to show up. We, we've heard that like there's going to be extremists there. We've kind of heard. I don't know if this is safe for the family, but when they saw that I showed up, that th there was a large police presence, they felt safe enough. They felt that there was enough parents united waving the American flags. Uh, they felt motivated. They felt inspired. And so like, you know what, let's just get in our car. Let's head down there. Even if we're just, you know, in the back or whatever, just in support of the families, uh, then that's what we'll do. And, and I, that's probably happened to me three or four times. Uh, through through the evening is that like, hey, man, I just saw your live. I didn't even know this was happening. I, I rushed over as soon as I got off of work. Uh, there was a Latino man that was actually telling me that he owns a business in like uh, landscaping and that he was actually tuned tuned in to my uh, 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 live stream. And he just kind of I think he had like his earphone on and was just listening and that he couldn't wait to get off of landscaping so he could just come right over. I mean, he's still nice. wearing like his uniform and everything. And he's like, yeah, I just kind of. Wanted to come and check it out and support the parents and let them know that we stand with them, you know. And so, uh, yeah, man, you know, it, it, it's like you said, it's a snowball effect, you know. And, and and the credit is not necessarily with me. I just kind of show the footage and I, I just kind of point the camera and I show this is all on the parents, man. This is all to the parents, especially mm -hmm. the parents of Sadako Elementary, the parents of Glendale Unified. They're the ones putting it together. Uh, I, I've organized many, many rallies. I've sat down in those board meetings. I've sat down in those late night Zoom, late night Zoom calls. I know what it's like to try to organize something of, of this magnitude. So uh, shout out to them. Shout out to the Armenian community, the Hispanic community that showed up yesterday and, and really just everyone that's showing up. Because if people start understanding that we have the power, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 then it's really over for these people, you know, and, and that can be all shapes and sizes. You know, if you want to come and help, if you support this atheist, agnostic, Muslim, Hindu, whatever it is, if, if you're sick and tired of what's happening, at the school level, if you're if you're sick and tired of what's happening with the unions and, and the teachers just not listening to parents and you're a parent yourself, like you, you need to get active because a lot of people think that we need to wait to 2024 to create change. Change mm. can start right now, man. You know that that need, and that change needs to start with you. You with need you. to get active. There was there were so many people that came in yesterday and they were getting registered to vote. There was a lot of people that were just not registered to vote because they didn't mm -hmm. under there were some people that had no idea that you can vote in school board members, that these are the people, you know, voting on things and what they're gonna allow and not allow to be taught to your children. Imagine that, you know, being mm -hmm. a being a parent of a, a middle schooler, a high schooler, or or being a you know, a older 
family, you know, that let your kids already go through elementary and this is your first time going through this, not knowing that there are school board members. There are people that you can contact. There are places that you can show up to and voice your opinion, voice your concerns. This is the first time. So that's what that does. Getting active, it gets you informed, you know. And mm -hmm. so if, you, if you're not out there learning and asking questions, I mean, man, dude, you're 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 kind of gonna you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to ask you, is this something that you do full time or, you know, how did you get into it? Yeah. So uh, when I left the military in 2017, early 2017, I obviously want to go to school. There's a scholarship that the military uh, gives every veteran, basically the post 9-11 bill. Mm -hmm. And that basically pays for your mortgage. Um, not, now I got to drink something. You guys are. <laughs> you guys like you guys like coordinated that um <laughs> I didn't even so, yeah. but um so i wanted to go to school right away i was talking to my cousin i really didn't know what i wanted to do i was looking into law school perhaps because obviously i know that we need good lawyers out there especially now post pandemic we need them now more than ever you know people fighting back filing lawsuits all that stuff against schools mm -hmm. especially um uh, but uh, with, with the independent journalism, I was always kind of torn because as I was going to school, I, I launched a podcast with my friend Jose Fregoso. Uh, once I determined that I was a Republican and more conservative and he was a Bernie Sanders, bro, we were called the free thinking Latinos. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, this was back in 2017, I believe. And so what we wanted to do was we wanted to sit down. He was a leftist Bernie Sanders and I was more of a Republican Trump supporter. And so we would just have conversations. We would talk about cultural things. We would talk about, um, you know, some of the policies and why he would disagree or I would agree or vice versa. And I, I really took a passion to it. I really liked discussing these things in a civil way. We would do podcasts in English and in Spanish and um, to kind of inform the Hispanic community, uh, saying that you can still have civil discussion because, again, everything was hyper politicized after 2016. So as I'm going through schooling, I, I picked up an, an, uh, an itch for politics. I, I really started researching more and more and more and more. And the more I was researching, the more I was learning, the more I wanted to voice my opinion and my commentary. So I decided to take to social media. Again, like the, the, one of the biggest free microphones that you can be handed you know, on social media. And I started just posting opinions and commentary and, and correcting the fake news media the corporate media on on things that they got wrong things that they were lying to the community about like meaning our community you know the hispanic mm -hmm. latino community about policies about you know anything else like that and so um it kind of got to the point where my schooling was getting affected because of how politically involved i was i started doing community cleanups i started doing uh voter registrations i got involved with the local uh, republican club i became the communications director then eventually the state chairman of california for the republican hispanic assembly and um i got so so politically you know involucrado you know like mm -hmm. just involved yeah that um it came to the point where i had to make a choice and so I'm like, do I want to finish off nursing school, which is what I was getting my major in was a bachelor's of science of nursing. Do I want to be a nurse, you know, forever? And or, or is this, you know, a political path that I can pursue? And I got I started getting invited on shows. I got started getting invited to Telemundo and Univision to kind of have political nice. debates. And um, I was just like, I, I sat down with my wife 
she was a little hesitant. She's like, I want, I, you know, obviously we want you to finish, you know, your bachelor's degree, but if this is what you feel passionate about, then, you know, I, I stand with you. Mm -hmm. And so I, I made the choice to withdraw from school. Um, again, you know, it, it was just one of those decisions where it was like, I, I gotta make that decision now, you know, and, and, and I can't keep like one feet over here and one foot over there. And then I'm, I'm doing both kind of like, half-assing it you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pardon the language if it's a no, friendly one um freedom of yeah speech. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no it's usually the christians that come after me <laughs> not, not not the people they're not for it but um yeah man and so i decided to just go full uh, what i ended up doing was i started crowdfunding myself so i started with patreon where you can subscribe for like as little yeah. as like five dollars a month and um uh, started doing that just to kind of put together some events. I, I ended up leaving uh, nursing school literally like a month or two months before the pandemic hit, Boy. which was really a blessing in disguise, man. It, it's so interesting because I left the military in 2017. Had I stayed, I would have been federally required to get the, the jab, which I, I'm not, you know, and, and yeah. I to this day, I, I'm not, you know, and that's just a personal choice of mine. Consult with your doctor. This is not medical <laughs> advice, right? Disclaimer, because then they get you later, right? But <laughs> I, I think to myself, man, like what a huge blessing because had I stayed in the military, I probably would have been discharged at like 15 or 16 years into the military. Um, and then had I stayed in nursing, had I not dropped out a month or two before the pandemic and pursued full-time journalism, um, I would have probably been a nurse or close to graduating. No, I would have already been a nurse. And I would have had to same deal, yeah. same deal, because in California, it was required that you get the jab mm -hmm. in order to continue to work. You know, there were mm -hmm. some places that I think allowed religious exemption, but not not many. Mm -hmm. And so I think to myself now, man, I'm like, dude, what are the what are the odds that the two careers that I one that I did for 11 years and the other one that I considered going into were federally regulated to 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 get the jab? And I'm so against it. I don't know what I would have done. Like, imagine. I would have graduated nursing school, had all this, you know, not all this debt. I would have had some debt um, toward the end because uh, the scholarship for the military doesn't pay the entire thing. But um, I would have been left with the debt. No job, man. And, and I had just recently graduated. So I'm glad that I chose the political route. And since then, I've just been, you know, crowdfunding again, Patreon. Uh, I, when I left, the, the also the riot started that summer of 2020. You know, the summer mm. of love, the fiery, <laughs> but mostly peaceful yeah. uh, riots. And I just set up like GoFundMes. And now, obviously, we do gifts and goes. And go, we yeah. know that, yeah, because now we know that GoFundMe is very left leaning and they shut down basically anyone and everyone, you know, that's opposition. And so, but at that time, I was doing GoFundMes to kind of fund the trips to go out there, buy the equipment that I needed, be able to fly out, get the hotel rooms, go cover Portland which was what a hot spot, you know, for, for that. I went out to Minneapolis, obviously the George Floyd site. I reported on that, all that good stuff, everything right. independently. I did that for a couple of months and then I got picked up by L American, uh, okay. which is a bilingual, um, uh, kind of like a startup news organization, mm -hmm. but it was more conservative leaning. And so I got, I did that paid on salary, uh, for about a year. And then um, they kind of like shut down and, and I, I may, it might have been like pandemic related funds, donors. I'm not sure. 
Uh, but uh, I, I left after a year. And then since then, it's just been back to independent. So right now, um, I do do full-time uh, journalism. Uh, and, and it is mostly crowdfunded. But I also do have like uh, like marketing companies that I work with that I do like mm -hmm. online digital stuff, uh, online digital media stuff with too. So Cool, cool. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's funny that you say that because, you know, I I think in 2019, I, I interviewed a few times for a state job and I didn't get it and I was super bummed. But, you know, 2020 pandemic happens and same deal. So it's like, OK, it ha you know, it happens for a reason. You don't yeah. you don't know it in that moment. Right. In that moment, you're like, ah, oh, this sucks. But then, you know, looking at it now. I would have been working for the state that would that would have been tough yeah that would have been real tough absolutely. yeah so um but you know i think another another thing that you do right that i think is important especially for for the latinos is when you go down to the border mm -hmm. i think i think that stuff is super important because kind of like what danny was stating before is like you you give the reality right when when you're there and you're actually talking to the people there, asking them questions, they're you know they're responding to you. Uh, I think that's super important too, because as Latinos, you know, one of the things that triggers a lot of Latinos is the whole border talk, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, I think I think the fault of that is the media how they just simplify it into pretty much right. It's it's a racist thing or or whatever it is, right? When Trump said what he said, that's what the media took, ran with it. And Latinos everywhere hated Trump, you know? And, and I think it's because they don't fully understand how layered the conversation of the border is. So I think when you're down there and you're covering things like, for example, I think recently you were down there for like the title 42 expiring and all that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you were talking to the people in Mexico as well, right? I think I was, yeah. I, I went into, so I crossed over to Ciudad Juarez, uh, which is the connecting one to El Paso, Texas, when Title 42 ended. And I was able to get some interviews with some of the immigrants that were kind of stuck in limbo because they didn't know what was going to happen now that Title 42 had ended. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, to me, that's also another thing that you do that's very important. Um, because pe people need to see the reality of the border versus just this simplified uh, talking points that you get in the media. Right. And then it's, you get it from both sides, right? You, you get it from the left, you get it from the right. Um, but you know, something that we've talked about before is, you know, we're dealing with, with real people, right. In real situations, probably, yeah. Trying to get up here to have a better life. We understand that that's like a lot of, a lot of our stories, you know, with, with our past generations start that way, you know, they came here for a better life and, you know, here we are and, you know, we're trying to be better even, you know, for our kids and their kids and their kids. Um, so, you know, there are people that come for that. And, you know, I think what, what Danny was, had said before was, was people deal with that guilt, right. That, Oh, I'm here and they feel bad because they're here, but, you know, whoever's coming over isn't. So when it comes to the border, like when, when you when you're down there, when you're talking about the border, you know, when you're posting about the border, um, what kind of response do you get? Because I know when when I've said things about the border, I get a lot of negative stuff back. 
you know, I get a lot of FUs and F the Border Patrol and F this and that. And, you know, again, I think it's because people don't fully understand how layered the border is. But what, what kind of response do you get? Yeah, so that's a that's a good question. Um, it, it, when I first started going down to the border uh, with the ongoing border crisis, I had already gone, I believe, a couple times uh, under the previous administration. Uh, and, and this was right around the election cycle when I was interviewing uh, candidates at the time. Back in 2019, 2020, uh, specifically, I'm thinking about Mayra Flores. Okay. And then we also had um, other candidates down there, I believe Monica for Congress and then Irene uh, as well. All three of them were kind of very pro-law enforcement, pro-border patrol. Uh, all of them were living in border towns at the time. And they were telling me about the impacts of not having a border and not having a, you know, uh, the wall built because at that time, I believe that there was like a federal kind of blockage to stop building the uh, mm -hmm. Trump wall, stuff like that, if I remember correctly. And so, um, you know, we were we were talking about those things. We were uh, I was kind of getting like a firsthand, you know, look at to what what does it mean to have a border and what does it mean to have a closed border and what it does it mean to have an open border. And as soon as it you know, the current administration took over, I kind of had to learn a lot more about the policies that were in place, Title 42, Title 8, mm -hmm. things like that to kind of better get a better understanding of why, why is it a crisis, right? And so when I report on these things and I just simply state out the facts about, you know, that under the previous administration or the Trump administration with Title 42, which a lot of people think that Donald Trump came up with Title 42, he did not. Title 42 has been around since 1940s. It's been around since World War II era, uh, which basically gives the federal government access and the authority to basically expel migrants uh, from the U.S. at the U.S. border, uh, citing, you know, pandemic reasons, citing uh, national uh, health crisis uh, and security measures. And so obviously, if we were in the middle of a pandemic, well, now you're able to enact this president, Title 42, which is what President Donald Trump did. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember that he was called racist for it, uh, which is stupid um, because, again, it, it wasn't his policy. It was something that's been around since the 1940s. And I think that during a pandemic, it, it's safe to be able to say, well, hey, if we're in the middle of a pandemic and people are dying, then what we need to do is close our borders. Why are we allowing more people into our country, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going on. We don't know long-term. We don't know short-term. And so when you start laying these facts out for people, going into it's not his policy, no, that's not what happened. Uh, this is what the Border Patrol is saying when you when you build the wall, you know, just a Yuma, Arizona sector, which I was just there recently at the Yuma, Arizona sector. Uh, they were talking about how in that sector alone, if I remember correctly, uh, illegal immigration, especially by family units, fell over 95 percent in the Yuma, Arizona sector after uh, the Donald Trump wall basically went up. And on top of that, um, I believe all illegal immigration basically got cut in half. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so the place, ironically, that illegal immigrants were coming into the United States, foreign migrants, whatever you wish to call them, uh, you know, people coming to the border, uh, you know, from, from other countries, including countries uh, like Uganda and, and the continent of, of Africa, the con you know, India, all, all this stuff. It, it was kind of insane to 
to really put in perspective and see for yourself everything that's going through the border and, and the people that are coming in different kind of countries mm-hmm. and and you're looking at them and you're like how in the world did you make it here from africa how did you make it here from uganda how did you make it here from haiti you know stuff like that yeah and so you start learning these things you start understanding that it is a world trafficking event that's what it is right mm-hmm. it's global human trafficking coming into the u.s border and unfortunately the u.s is the number one destination for all traffic humans and a lot of the people get sold into sex slavery they get sold into corporate you know um which going back into what we have in america is corporationism mm-hmm. uh, that you have these corporations that are they're hiring illegal and undocumented immigrants because they know that it is cheap labor they're not going to complain almost ever uh, you don't have to pay for healthcare insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they're a lot cheaper for corporations easy to hire. Easy to take advantage of. Easy to take advantage of. I've always made the argument, you know, that uh, modern day illegal immigrants is modern day slavery. And it's because they have no rights. They cannot fight for wages. They don't have a social security. They cannot vote. Um, there have been many instances where legal immigrants are caught in marijuana fields, uh, in, in drug fields. They are caught in farms and agriculture many of the times, and they're not even allowed to leave these farms under the threat of the ranch owners telling them, if you leave, we're going to deport you. We're going to have you deported. We're going to call the police. We're going to make sure you go back to your country. And so they're forced like hard, arduous labor, 16 plus hours a day working. You know these farms and ranches. That's that's mm-hmm. slavery. Mm-hmm. When when you are not able to leave, and and you are treated as less than human, and you are paid less than minimum wage and and what our country calls for, that is that's slavery. Yeah. When when you don't have the free movement, you know, right? So this is again, you start bringing up these facts, and to your question, you know, how does the people react? A lot of people are thankful for exposing this to kind of deliver the message in a sensible way uh, again backed by facts and evidence so i've kind of moved away from the guy that used to consume facts and civil discourse back in 2016 2017 to now being the guy that is able to hold the debates and to be able to tell the facts and the sources and stuff and so you know that's that's a that's the thing that I'm, you know, very honored by that God has chosen me to, to have this platform uh, because it's not me, man. You know, like I, I'm just a man. I'm, I'm, I'm a dad. You know, I, I I'm in shorts right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, it's just that's just the way it is. I'm, 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 I'm nobody, man. You know, but but God is using me to kind of wake up the community. And of course, you're going to have those people that that, that get angry that yeah. are going to come to your page, issue the death threats. I just got a, you know, one today. He's like, oh, you're going to meet your maker soon. And I'm like, okay, well, hopefully, man, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Bro. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready, bro. You know, I, I'm, I'm just say when, man, you know, yeah. like, that doesn't scare me, you know, but of course you have a lot of Raza, bro. You have a lot of our community that unfortunately um, they've been misinformed. They're full of hate. Uh, they, mm-hmm. They're just hateful for the sake of being hateful. They hate people with different opinions. They hate people that fear God, not government, not man. Um, you know, and, and we kind of went through that to the pandemic, right? Where people that feared the government, feared this disease, also hated the people that only fear God and that we made different choices from them. They hated the fact that we didn't join them in their fear. You know right. what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. they hate us because they hate the fact that we're just not willing to comply. They hate that we're not going with the narrative. 
they they see what we stand for and then immediately they generalize they they throw slander they call they name call us whatever it is there was you know a a, a gentleman that came to me when i when i went to do that coverage juarez and in, in yuma and el paso that in Spanish was coming to my page ranting about how I, I my my immigrant mother should be ashamed of me, that that she should have given birth to like another, you know, uh, kid that would have been more grateful for the journey of the immigrant and this is not, and I'm like, man, dude, like this has nothing to do with me. Like everything I said in this video, is a point of fact. I I didn't even like say, and this is why we need to stop illegal. I make like I didn't even make commentary i didn't make an opinion mm. all i said was hey guys i am in juarez mexico this is what the immigrants have to say and then i ended the video that's it mm. like and share subscribe if you like it follow me for more content that's it i don't i don't like you know and there's some people out there you know and, and everyone has their own style of journalism and and the way they do their content mm. there are some people out there that do go to the border and do talk to migrants like that they they, they talk to a migrant and in Spanish, they'll be like, but what does that have to do with us? You know, like, well, we don't care. Like, this, this, why, why don't you go back to your country? This is not, mm. that's not, that's not me personally, man. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But, uh, and that happens everywhere. You don't have to go to the border to be treated that way. That mm. happens every single day across America where immigrants are treated like this. And it, wrongfully, by the way, you know, like nobody mm -hmm. should be going up to an immigrant just like yesterday, people going up to immigrants, calling them Christian fascists, you know, or, yeah. you know, giving, treating them as less than, like it yeah. just shouldn't be happening. Uh, but, but the problem, obviously, here with the legal immigration is first, you're already breaking the law into coming to the United States uh, illegally, and you're breaking the law to do so. But even let's just say, you know, you have your asylum case heard and, and you qualify, and now you have immunity and stuff. Now we're looking at like how much is being spent. And when you see that we are trying to get back from a pandemic era economy, that our children are still falling behind, that our children still don't have the resources, mm -hmm. that Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Most Americans, I think right now, I was reading an article not too long ago, that this is the most credit card debt there's ever been in U.S. history. I don't know if it's something like $700 billion. I, I, I forget yeah. the exact number. I want to say it was like 70 billion or 700 billion or something like that. It's the most credit card history in American history because, yeah, maybe people are misspending, but I know a lot of hardworking families that literally have to put groceries on their credit card and make payments on their groceries, man. Isn't that insane to think about? Meanwhile, billions and billions and billions are being spent to house people that illegally entered this country. I have full empathy and sympathy mm -hmm. for people that are fleeing persecution. And I would argue there's a good percentage of people that truly, had they not entered illegally, they probably would have died. I would make that argument. If they mm -hmm. were to be sent back, they're probably fleeing political persecution, famine, whatever. That's for the government to decide. And I think people would say, you know what, despite, every, despite everything we're going through, let's let them in. There's a... But there's a right way to go about it. Yeah. Immigration reform needs to happen. These laws need to change. The policies need to change because all we're doing right now is political theater. We're, we're kicking the can down the road. These DACA programs that are unconstitutional, mm -hmm. uh, that, that don't work, that don't give a path to citizenship. I've had family that go on DACA, live on DACA to get their degree and all this stuff and get their work. And the moment DACA ends, 
there's no solution back mm. to back to your bachelor's degree not mattering because mm. now you're back to being undocumented you have no permit you got nothing yeah. because that DACA problem doesn't offer anything it's just a temporary stay saying you cannot be deported that's it yeah you know so so i mean dude it's 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 the the border crisis is riddled that's why it really shocks me man when i have my own people like me latinos Hispanics, coming to me and calling me a hateful person when all i'm trying to do is shed light in arguably and in recorded statistical history the worst human trafficking slash border crisis we've ever had at our southern border the fact that 85,000 a whistleblower came out and said that 85,000 children have gone missing they have no idea where they are that came unaccompanied to the United States and the fact that nobody cares I mean obviously conservatives have been raising the alarm mm -hmm. the, the Republicans are the ones that invited the whistleblower mm -hmm. to testify before Congress to let them know yeah we've there we don't know where 85,000 children have gone missing, mm -hmm. right? That shows that at least one side, for, at least for the visual optics of it, seems to at least care remotely about the, about it. But the but like, where's like George Lopez? Where's like Eva Longoria? Where are all these activists? Where's Jorge Ramos? Where's pa, her, his been, daughter? Paula Ramos. These people are not investigating this. They're not at the White House asking these questions. I'll never forget that Jorge Ramos was out there on Trump and, and he ended up getting kicked out because yeah, he just uh -huh. kept he just kept asking and asking and asking. He's like, dude, you, there's a time and a place. And, and if you want to say, like, oh, but what happened to free speech? I thought you were the side of free speech, but it's equally, right? You have mm -hmm. President Biden that refuses to take questions. So so you can't say that it's okay, you know, for for President Biden to deny media requests and to not hold press conferences, but then think it's wrong when the other side does it right and again mm -hmm. what shocks me the most man is that these are all just facts and there are po people that will put politics before the truth they just mm -hmm. they don't care mm -hmm. it's sad man yeah yeah there's you know today's technology is uh it's a double-ended sword really i mean it, it distracts you know the youth um even you know older people now you you, you look at uh, people my age, 40 years old, 45 years old, 50 years old, and they're walking uh, buried, you know, their nose is buried in their smartphone, and they're really not paying attention to everything that's going around them. And then, you know, social media, to your point, you know, that's your sword, you know, that's how you're able to do what you're able to do. So we just have to take advantage, like you're taking advantage of it. And one of the things that, you know, you're talking about being at the border, you know, showing the reality, and, um, the people here in the United States, um, the Latinos uh, like us, what we have to understand is that at some point we have to hold the other countries accountable for, you know, the reasons that those people are immigrating to the United States. And it, El Salvador is a perfect example right now is that I don't know if you've been following or heard, but I'm pretty sure everybody has, is that the president, you know, has uh, built a prison and all the gang members MS-13, um, and I heard something that I could not believe is that about two weeks ago, they came up on one year where they did not have a homicide after, um, um, you know, he incarcerated uh, the majority of all the gang members over there. And then 
yesterday I heard that um, he's going to build another prison for all the white collar criminals, all the politicians. So you tell me, I would like to see the t uh, statistics of all the people from El Salvador migrating to the United States now. That would be pretty interesting to see when a country cleans itself up mm -hmm. and doesn't give the people a reason to leave the country. And that's what people should be thinking uh, pragmatically about is that why are these people coming over? That's the first thing that I think about is that if I was a parent, would I allow my children, would I send off my children to travel across, you know, a couple of countries to God knows who in the United States and do God knows what to them? I wouldn't. I would be extremely upset at those parents. I am upset at those parents that do that, you know, to their children, rather than being upset, you know, at people that point out the facts like you're pointing out the facts. It's like we have to direct that attention to where it needs to be directed to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just another great reason of uh, the things that you're doing. So once again, thank you. Yeah. So just uh, just one more topic before we, we get, uh, you know, we end this. Um, all right, so we're, we're all in California, right? <laughs> and, you know, we're, Basically, you know, we're like the Leonardo DiCaprio's and Wolf of Wall Street. You know, we're not leaving. Um, <laughs> what what do you, what is your current? Um, okay, how could I put this? So, in the last election, right? Newsom won re-election. Um, first question is, what as far as the results? What do you think of them? Were you encouraged by? Like basically, from from my point of view, I felt like the numbers got closer than they've been before. So even though Newsom won, I thought it was encouraging to see that at least it shifted, you know, towards the right direction. Um, what what, do you, what are your thoughts on on how the last election went as far as numbers and all that? Well, first, I, I think it was very impressive that, um, you know, if we're talking about the recall election, because then obviously we had the normal election back in 2022 where he won, you know, again, basically. Yeah. Um, but the recall election, uh, it would have been nice to kind of see Republicans unite behind one candidate. Obviously, I know it's kind of hard because everyone's very convicted about their values and morals. And so mm -hmm. if you have someone like Larry Elder kind of confessing that he is not necessarily pro-life that's going to turn off you know a lot of the catholics and protestants that would not vote for him mm -hmm. um and then you know you have more hardline conservatives that were more like with anthony Trevino, you know candidates yeah. like him that are a lot more faith-based he's got a beautiful family um he professes the word of god you know he kind of lives it out too and confesses it boldly on his social medias as far as the recall election, I think I was most impressed that we were actually able to get enough signatures because yeah. what that does is it raises awareness and it creates community. And so to be able to even garner in a state of this magnitude uh, that many votes to recall uh, Gavin Newsom was already impressive in itself. Obviously, the numbers were not entirely there when it came down to the vote. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it, again, is because a lot of us are expecting to vote every four years. So there's. So there's here, here's like problem number one. A lot of people only vote. Most people, I would argue, eh, I don't know about most people, a lot of people Generally. would only vote in the presidential years mm -hmm. because they think that all you're voting for is the president. 
and they probably think that's the only thing that really matters. A lot of people are not really concerned with local races, which should be the opposite. You should be more worried about your local school board, water board, city council, board of supervisors, mm-hmm. your city mayor. These are more important races. Your 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 uh, uh, state assembly person, you know, that your state senator. Those people are way more important and that are going to affect policies that affect you every single day than the president is. Right. That's that's just the facts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. I was impressed that we were able to get the signatures. Obviously, it, it sucked that we kind of fell short on getting everyone out to vote. But I think it's because a lot of people don't know. First, it's already hard to get people to get out the vote on off presidential election years, midterms. But then it's even worse when it's a recall election where no one's expecting to vote. Right. Right. So I think that that's, uh, you know where we come in and we have to inform people and remind them like, Hey, don't forget there's a special election. And here's the difference between a special election. Here's the difference between a presidential presidential election year. And here's the difference between a midterm election year. This is when you vote for governor usually, right? Stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So encourage, but obviously we just have a lot more work to do. So the hopes there, we just got to keep chipping away at it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Tremino, right. When, when he was, uh, when he was in it and then obviously once he was out, then it was Brian Dolly. So, you know, I was like, okay, when, when you compare <laughs> Dolly to do some, I was like, all right, I, you know, I know where I'm going. Right. Um, you know, I did notice a lot of people decided not to vote for Dolly first you know it is what it is at this point but i didn't i didn't find any i didn't find it reasonable you know when 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 newsom is the outcome like to me myself i didn't find it like it wasn't worth the you know but that's a whole nother thing but (laughs) (laughs) but in in so let's say 2026 next governor race is there anyone that you off the top of your head think is a front runner? Is it Tremino? Is it somebody else? Is it Dolly again? Is there anyone in your mind that you go, okay, this, this person is probably going to be the front runner for 2026. There's really no one that comes to mind. Obviously I, I, I think Tremino has hinted that he would be running in 2026. I think he's posted a couple things, uh, citing kind of Gavin Newsom or putting like a tweet and then putting a like hashtag 2026, um, but here, here's what I will say. There's a lot of people that ran in a special election, bro. And there's a lot of people that ran in 2022 against Gavin Newsom. These people promised that they would do everything in their power to fight for Californians. Even when they lost mm-hmm. to Brian Dolly in, in the primary, you know, uh, they were saying, I will you know, thank you so much for the journey. I will never stop fighting for you. Well, these people have all stopped fighting for us. Mm-hmm. And they're nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. I don't see them at these school board meetings. I don't see them talking with parents. I see a few local candidates. And that's why I mean, and this is what I say. It's important to know who your local candidates are, because those are the ones that are actually showing up. A governor's race is very sexy. It, it attracts a lot of money, a lot of donors, right? Mm-hmm. Deep pockets going to the governor's race. 
but it's your state assembly member. It is your school board member that's showing up. And yesterday, that's exactly what I saw. On Friday, that's exactly what I saw. You have these local candidates running for state assembly. These are the people passing the laws at the state level that actually genuinely care about your vote, that care about uh, standing side by side with you, as opposed to all these people that promise that they would always fight for you, that the journey has only just begun. The mm -hmm. people that said, we're not done yet. Hashtag, it's not over. This is not people are nowhere to be found anywhere man and that's really disappointing to me so as far as your question do i see someone posturing themselves for 2026 i don't see these people all the people that were declared before whatever it is i don't see them anywhere so i tell people all the time the worst time for people to know who you are is when you first declare meaning don't let that be the first time the community's ever heard about you mm. You better have already been grinding, dude. You were you you must have already been leading some protests. You must have already been side by side with other parents fighting, man. So to me, I'll be very honest with you, man. And, and you, this might be like a follow up question that you have. I'm not sure, you know, but I'll, I'll let you ask it anyway. But what I'm going to say is I'm more interested in these school board races. I'm more interested to see who the next mayor of my city is. I'm more interested to see who's running for city council of Los Angeles because I see a lot of parents and organizers and activists out there, and I think they deserve that seat more than someone that just shows up, hasn't done anything, hasn't sat side by side and stood side by side and marched side by side next to parents for parent rights. Mm. You know, so I'm more excited about that than I am, to be honest, man. President, as far as California goes, bro, I think we already know the outcome. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be, you know what I mean? It's going to be heavy leaning one side. And then as far as the governor, you know, Gov Governor Newsom, he's not going to be running anymore. It, I, and he's already endorsed, if I remember correctly, he's already endorsed uh, the lieutenant governor. Oh, okay, she's yeah. she's right. already announced that she's running uh, in 2026, which I already know that she would have never announced this early if she didn't have Gavin Newsom's blessing and the blessing of all the donors and all the backing mm -hmm. that he has. So I think she's already been selected by Gavin Newsom, the DNC, to kind of be the next person. Obviously, now you have the female coming in, right? Now you're mm -hmm. going to have a female governor in California. Um, Santísimo Dios, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but is uh, it? Is it a female? <laughs> time will tell, bro. Who knows? What is, what is a female? Yeah, what is a woman, yeah. right? Yeah. So... All right. Um, do you have anything, any other questions, Danny, or anything else? No, no. Uh, we're already at 118 right now. So uh, good. Cool. Just glad that right. you came and joined us, and yeah, uh, we'll support you in any way, shape, or form that we can. And just sure. keep fighting the good fight. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys. Oh, one more, one more thing. One more thing. Of course. How's 75 Hard going? Oh, dude, it's going. I got my last quart of water that's full right now. I was thinking of taking sips throughout the podcast, uh, but uh, now I'm going to find myself chugging away at the water. Uh, but it's going good, man. I've lost about 13, 14 pounds or so. I've uh, been doing the workouts. I'm done for today. So all I got to do is drink the water, and then it's Mimi's time for me. Nice. Uh, but it's been going good, man. It's definitely very challenging. It challenges your mind for sure because you got to wake up early. You got to know the schedule ahead of time. You got to mm. try to figure out where you're going to squeeze in the stuff, but it's good, man. Highly recommend 10 out of 10. You guys should okay. do it. 
I, I've been I've been looking into it. So and I sure seen will. that you started it. So it's like all right, I'm gonna ask him see how what he thinks of it. But it, it does look uh it definitely looks interesting and it looks like it works too. So thank you, bro. <laughs> yeah, hey. yeah, that's what everyone's been saying. So I'm, I'm gonna have to take you guys at your word, but yeah, man. I'm also pairing it with the with the carnivore diet. So okay, it's also kind of like a pretty extreme diet, but I've done it before, so I felt comfortable doing it for the challenge. Is that one basically just is it meat and greens basically? No greens, bro. Uh, and, meat? and no carbs, just straight up meat. I so what I do is I do uh meat and dairy and some fruits. Okay. Um, and then the only carb that's really allowed, I mean, dairy has carbs, you know, like milk, like uh, I, I drink raw milk, um, uh, that has carbs in it. Fruit, obviously, there's a lot of fruit that has carbs in it, including the banana. I have a banana a day with my uh protein shake that I have. Um, but, uh, the only one that I can really have is a uh, sourdough bread and it's gotta be like all organic. It can just be like literally the flour, the water and the yeast. That's it. That's like the only thing mm -hmm. allowed. And then, you know, um, so, so no funny business in the bread, but, and, that, and that's because supposedly the sourdough bread from what our research in the carnivore diet is that, um, it's the only one with like active bacteria. That's really good for like gut, like uh -huh. healing your gut and stuff like that. So yeah so sourdough bread that's that's what i do um and that's very rarely though bro i i what i do is i try to pair in the sourdough bread on on heavier days like when i have like leg day or when i'm thinking of like doing like a, a hard hike or like going bicycling and stuff like that where i know i'm going to be you know uh doing a lot of cardio that's usually when i have like the sourdough bread but um other than that i don't really care for it man but uh yeah that, that's what it is cool cool sounds good well, man, like Danny said, we, we you know, we thank you for coming on, uh, you, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we'll support however we can. And, you know, we're, we're doing our best to, you know, spread the word, you know, such as people as yourself and, you know, doing our best to use our voices also, you know, to hopefully get to a lot of the Latino community that has been manipulated. Right. That's one of the when we talk about when we have all these conversations, 23 episodes in. You know, a lot of the root cause that we end up going to is manipulation, right? And a lot of people have been seriously manipulated and a lot of people don't even know it. Yeah. But, you know, and then along with that, obviously, you know, the country's gotten further away from God. So, you know, that doesn't help <laughs> at all. But, right. you know, we're, we're doing what we can to to just, hey, give you a different perspective. So, you know, we, we appreciate what you're doing. And, and again, thanks for coming on. Thank you guys so much, man. God bless you guys and keep up the good fight, man. I appreciate everything you guys are doing and also trying to educate Latinos and Hispanics and get them more politically involved. That's what we need. So for keep sure. up the good fight, man. All right, then. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, All right guys. Thank you, everybody, on the next one.